Hello and welcome to the Climbing to the Top podcast, where I'll be sharing my marketing and astrological thoughts, ideas, strategies and tactics to help you, the ambitious coach, consultant or course creator, climb to the very top of your business. My name is Kim O'Rourke and I am both a marketing strategist and an astrologer and I can help you not only with the practical skills of communicating your truth and your message to those who need to hear it the most, but also I'm here to help you harness and utilize the planetary energies so that you can work with the universe in your business and not against it. If you're curious, open-minded, or you downright love astrology, then you'll be surprised at the insights that astrology can give you for you and your business. I am also an entrepreneur, and just like you, I've had my triumphs and successes, as well as my abject fails. Climbing to the top is never a straight line, is it? So I'll be sharing with you my own journey and insights along the way. Hopefully, those will inspire you to make that one change you need in your mindset or in your business that will make all the difference for your success. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Climbing to the Top podcast with me, it's Kim O'Rourke, and we are on episode 58 today. And before I launch into the subject matter of the day, I just wanted to give a quick heads up that I am actually really excited because I've launched a whole programme of live one day workshops both across sunny Gloucestershire, if you happen to be listening locally to where I live, or via Zoom, in fact, for everybody else. Um, These are actually one-day workshops, so I don't know whether it's going to be a bit heavy going doing a whole day on Zoom, but there'll be plenty of time for coffee and loo breaks and lunch and so on. Um, I will be covering a whole wide variety of marketing subjects, and I've designed these for all of you who are coaches, consultants, your course creators, whether that's online or in person and crafters as well. And I want to teach you the steps that you need to take to get started in whatever it is I'm teaching. And that's everything from marketing strategy and planning through to content planning and creating your content. What else I've got coming up? Creating your niche um, email marketing, which is actually the subject of today. You can imagine that over 31 years, I've learned an awful lot. I've made an awful lot of mistakes over those years, but I've had a lot of successes, but I, I learned in the traditional world of marketing and I would really love to impart that knowledge to you. Basically from everything that's <laughs> stuffed into my brain, I can fast track your knowledge and the results that you get because I can tell you what to do and in what order and what to ignore and what to pay attention to. So they're all live now. Oh, by the way, everything I teach, I aim to be fun and I aim to be practical as well as giving you knowledge. So don't think they're going to be boring workshops. I do aim to have some fun on these because otherwise we don't learn, do we? So first few workshops, if you want to check those out, they're up online now. It's on a Bitly link because they're a lot easier to use. If you're not using Bitly for your business, then then check Bitly out. It's it's a really good tool. It's a free tool. You can pay, but it's not very much. So bitly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash capital K, capital R, capital M. So K-R-M underscore workshops. So that's a bit.ly link forward slash KRM or capitals underscore 
workshops and workshops begins with a capital W. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to check that out. So first few are up there now and more will be added soon. So as I said, one of the subjects that I'm teaching is how to get started with email marketing. And I wanted to cover that today because I've been asked a few times over the past few months whether email marketing is dead, <laughs> which is a bit dramatic if if you're a poor email and you're wondering <laughs> where you're going in life. But I would say no, email marketing is definitely not dead. So I'm going to talk about that today and also talk a little bit about direct mail because I came from a traditional marketing background. I came from a background before the digital world existed. There were no computers, definitely not email, definitely none of the stuff that we have today that's bombarding, bombarding? bombarding us. It just didn't exist. So when I learned and I took my qualifications and started my career, it was all traditional marketing. So we had TV advertising, radio advertising, and we had direct mail amongst lots of other things. So that that was the background I came from. And of course, email is the digital version of direct mail. But I wanted to do a bit of comparison for you because there's some interesting stats that I think that you'll like to hear. So let's go on to email then, because I was checking this out. I thought I'd get some stats to answer the question about whether email marketing is dead or not. So no is definitely the answer. There is a report out there online by McKinsey that says that your email marketing is 40% more likely to bring you new clients than social media. And that is not surprising to me at all. It's the first time I've seen a a statistic on it. But social media and your emails are there to do completely different jobs. So your emails, the reason why they're going to get you 40% more clients or 40% more likely to acquire those clients and get them to convert is because your emails are there to nurture and it's quite an intimate medium. So if you are emailing somebody, once they are reading your email, it's just them reading what you have written for them. So just a little tip when you're writing your emails, and I'm sure you do this already, but if you're writing your emails, write to just one person. Don't write to everybody or all of you or any of that. You need to be just writing to one single person. That single person needs to be the avatar of your perfect client. So you need to keep them in the picture of your mind and just write to them and talk to them, just singular one person. And then that person will read it as if you were writing to them, which obviously you are. And okay, your emails can go to lots of people, but it's only one person ever reading it at the time. So it it is this intimacy that is involved in emails. Whereas social media is is very different. There are lots of people who are going to be reading your social media posts. Everybody knows that. And social media is it's at the top of your marketing funnel. It's there. Your posts on social media, however you format them, are there to attract attention. They're there to help you sift and sort. So out of your target market, there are hundreds of thousands of potential people who could come and buy your services and your programs. 
your products, your courses and so on. But you probably don't want all of them as your clients and not all of them want you. Hard as that may seem to believe. So your social media and the other activities that you have at the top of your funnel are there to do the sifting and sorting. So it gets rid of the people who aren't interested in you and that you are not interested in. And it brings you the people who are going to resonate with what your offer is. They're going to resonate with you, what your message is, what you're about. So social media is there to do that for you and to bring people onto your email list. That's what you're trying to do with all of this stuff that you're putting out on social media, advertising, perhaps your content marketing. All of it is designed to bring people to the to the next stage in your funnel, which is to bring people onto your email list. And when they are on your email list, there is, well, there's less noise, isn't there? Because when people are, do you often think when you're on social media that there's just lots going on, there's lots to comment on, there's people having conversations, you'll agree with stuff, you'll disagree with stuff, things will pop up (laughs) and so on. But when you're sitting in front of your email, you can only read just that single email at that particular time. So there's there's less noise once people have opened the email, but you still have to compete for attention because we have to get people to open the email in the first place. And open rates on emails are averaging about 25%. You can get lucky and have more. You can get a bit unlucky and get less. You need to check out what your industry open rates are And the email platforms, some of them will actually give you those stats. So I know MailChimp is pretty good at giving you comparative for your industry. So have a look at what they say, but a quick Google, you'll be able to find what the average open rate is for your particular industry. So that's an interesting statistic to know because anything above that average is what you need to be aiming for. And anyway, the average email open rate is approximately 25%, could be 25 to 30%, somewhere in there. So if you're above that, that's pretty good. Obviously, as your list gets bigger, your open rate, you might find that your open open rate comes down. So when you're starting to build your list and your list is just the people that you're collecting that you can then email to. So when you're starting out on your list, you'll have very few people on there. So there'll be your mum. (laughs) And your husband and wife, a partner, the pet cat. Um, and they will love you. So they will open your emails. And then you, you get your friends coming along and they will open your emails. But after a while, when you start getting real people onto your email list and the numbers grow, there'll be a percentage of people who are absolutely core and will open everything. And As I said, to begin with, that number, the percentage of people opening is going to be higher. But as your numbers increase and you get real people, if you like, coming along onto your list, then your open rate is going to settle down and will become the average it is for you. Your job is always going to be to increase your open rate so that you can move people through to then reading your email. And then obviously, clicking through. And I'm not going to talk about click-through rates today. I'm more interested in in using email as part of your, your marketing plan. And part of the job of that is to 
to utilize or to use emails and to have people open your emails. And that, of course, comes down to our subject lines. Now, when you finish this or when you get back home, and I know many people listen to podcasts when they're out on a walk or at the gym, but when you're at home and the next time you're looking at your Gmail account, have a look at the subject lines. Just just sit back and just look at the subject lines and take a note about what attracts your attention because we can we can look at all those subject lines and we'll just get this sea of of just text and words and all those people have spent time writing their email to send to you they've been crafting copy <laughs> they've been spending hours doing it they've some of them will have paid copywriters particularly the bigger list owners will have paid copywriters so there's a lot that's gone into sending you this well-crafted, well-written copy, but they can hide behind a subject line or a sea of subject lines. And unless that subject line grabs your attention, you're not going to open it. So from your perspective as marketing your business, you need to be aware of what it is that is grabbing your attention. Because if it's grabbing your attention, then it's far more likely to grab your client's attention as well. So let's just talk about a couple of things on that one, because I do a lot of testing with email marketing. And I can tell you that, okay, let me tell you the the average stat on this one. So personalization. So if you put the first name of your email recipient in the subject line, that in, can increase your open rate by 18%. That's one eight, 18%, which is quite a lot, actually. Now, I did a, a test recently. So, so sorry, personalization is something you, you do use. It's very easy to do with all the email software that's around. That's a very easy thing to do. But you want to be making the, the subject line sound natural and that it's it's conversational. Don't just put a personalization in for the sake of it. Don't just put it at the end or just at the beginning. You want to make it sound a natural part of a conversation because this is what it is. It's a it's a conversation. We're using email to to nurture our list so that they get to know us and we get to know them as well, in fact. But we want them to get to know us to build trust in us. And part of that is to to use their name. So don't force it, use it naturally. You'll find hopefully that your email open rate goes up. Now, I did a test with a client just before Christmas and we tested their email open rate or rather their open rate was was okay, but it could do better. Uh, it could do better. It was 1 or 2% below their industry average which wasn't great, but, you know, it was sort of, hmm, it's okay, but we could do a lot better. So I devised a strategy to test various aspects of their email marketing and to see if we could increase their open rates, then increase their click-through rates and increase their the spend that people did as well. And they were an e-commerce business. So there was a direct impact between people opening the emails and people physically parting with money at the other end. And I tested for a whole month, I tested their 
emails and I tested so that just over one month, the test was personalized versus non-personalized. And I did it as a straight 50-50 split. And at the end of that month, I, I kept a track of all the emails over that month and what the open rates are, what the click through, click through rates were, that's CTR, and what the spend actually was. And this was the really interesting thing because the uplift in the open rates, and what do you think it is? 18%, that average? 20%, 50%? <laughs> No, it was pretty marginal, to be honest. I think I only had an uplift of one or two percent on open rate for personalization, which which honestly is nothing to write home about. I, for those kind of when you're talking average open rates of 25 percent, then an uplift of one or two percent in my world is is not enough difference to be excited about. The click through rate didn't have a massive up uplift either in that percentage figure. But, and here is the, the big part, guess how much more they spent? They spent 308% more. The personalised people, the people that we put their first name in the subject line, that's the only difference. They spent a whopping 308% more. It was actually 308% point something, something, but it was 308% more. That equated to a few extra thousand pounds in the client's bank account for doing nothing more. Just think about that. Just literally, they did nothing else other than we put their first name in the subject line and it increased the amount that these people spent. At the end of the day, if you're in business, are you are you that bothered about your open rates? I mean, yes, we need to be, but you're more bothered about, am I going to get clients coming through the door to spend money with me? I mean, let's be basic about this because we're in business. It doesn't matter what kind of coach or consultant, what kind of course you're creating and selling. You want people to buy your stuff. That's what we're ultimately trying to do in our business. So do I really care about the uplift in or a lack of uplift in their particular open rates and CTR? No, not particularly, because it resulted in this uplift, massive uplift in sales in the personalised people, in the personalised group. Now, not only did they spend more, it was really interesting and was watching their behaviour. So they kept coming back and they didn't just open the email once because you'll find this if you, if you look at your email open rates you'll find that most people open emails within the first 24 hours of you sending the email and then they'll kind of disappear but with these personalized group they kept coming back to open the email and i i could see that by tracking their behavior it was really interesting to see because the non-personalized group didn't do that they just opened once within 24 hours and then that was it. That was the last we ever heard of them. But the personalised group, they opened within 24 hours and then they kept coming back and they spent 308% more. That tells you something. That tells you that it definitely pays to personalise. It's not the only test I've ever done on 
on email marketing and personalization and so on. But it comes back to this. It, it is a dramatic test, by the way. It comes back to this intimacy level because they were, before I got involved, this particular client were approaching their email marketing in a just a generic format, a generic way. It's like, here, we do this, buy our stuff, rather than talking to them intimately. So although we, over time, we'd moulded the copy slightly, but that didn't really have any effect. Once we'd done this personalization, then we saw the difference. And the next stages would be, okay, well, how can we can we do other things to increase the CTR? So what if we personalised in the main body of the email, for example? What if we changed the copy around? What if we resent the email to the people who didn't open after 24 hours or after 48 hours? See, there's lots of tests that you can do with email marketing. Maybe I'll do a whole podcast episode on it because it's quite a a long subject, actually. But there's lots of things that you can do to increase the absolute ultimate spend that you get from your emails. So I would definitely say for getting people to open your emails, start looking at personalization. Now, the other thing that I've been testing recently is emojis in the subject line. Because when I was looking at all my Gmail subject lines of all the emails that I get, the ones that were standing out at me were, well, there was personalization, yes, emojis, they were the ones that drew my eye straight away because hardly anybody uses emojis. And it didn't really matter what the emoji was. The red kind of hexagonal stop symbol, it doesn't say stop in it. It's just that sort of emoji with, it's like a hexagonal red stop sign. That stands out quite dramatically. The, just the subject lines with emojis stand out. I mean, look at your Gmail list. And see what I mean, because I'm sure some some of them, if you're on my email list, you'll see that I've been testing emojis recently (laughs) and I'm doing an A-B split test. So that means that half of my list are getting non-emojis and half of my list are getting emojis. So I don't know which which part you're on or which side you're on, because it, it just really much depends on or very much depends on how active campaign split the list. So I don't have anything to do with that. But I've set it out that this half get emojis and this half don't get emojis. So the result that it's too early days yet. I've only been testing it on the last couple of um, emails I've been sending out. So that that's far too early days. I need to be running tests for about a month before I can say, yes, this works or yes, this doesn't. So I'll, I'll report back to you on that one. But it's, I think it's definitely worth having a look at. You know, we, we're taught with emails that we need to write good subject lines and the copy needs to be good because we need to get people to open. And yes, I absolutely agree with that. But it's not difficult to write a good subject line. I mean, it is. But these days, the software out there that you can plug in bits of information and it can spit out good subject lines for you. So it's worth checking those out. Um, Active Campaign does a, a free one and you don't even need to be with Active Campaign to get hold of it. I don't know about the others, but, you know, quick Google search on, you know, subject line software for emails or something will will throw up these free tools that you get. And there is a, a formula to them as well. I, I'm not a copywriter. I don't ever pretend to be. 
but it's definitely worth having a, a check out to see what kind of headlines that you can write. However, because it is pretty easy to get these headline wizards because it's pretty easy to employ a copywriter from any of the freelancer sites to write headlines for you. That shouldn't be a barrier to you getting a good subject line these days. And everybody can do that. Therefore, you need to be a bit different, which is why, okay, looking at personalization, because not everybody uses personalization. It's actually... I haven't done any maths on it, but I would say my instincts is probably about a third use personalization. So it's definitely worth using. And yeah, let's let's test emojis. Try them out. If you've got an email list running and you do regular emails, do A-B split tests on your subject lines and put emojis in and let me know. I, I would love for you to just let me know what your stats are. And, and let's, let's have a talk about it. Let's have a conversation, see how we can better this. So you need to be, oh, the other thing, did I say this? The other thing is um, capital letters. Those are the other subject lines that strike out at me or grab my attention. Obviously, all capitals is, is shouting, <laughs> but do we need to get to shout to get people to see our subject line? So maybe just pick one or two words of of capitalization and also going the other way and not using any capitalization at all those stand out a little bit because they're a bit different so you need to be playing and looking at what you can use to get that stand out so the, there's some things there you can play with so personalization emojis capital letters and obviously your your copy using this headline wizard only ever test one thing at a time otherwise you will not know what's working. And I would say for emails, if you're sending out regular weekly emails, because you should be, then I would go for, and it depends how many you're sending out in a month, but if you're sending at least a newsletter a week and then two or three other emails, I would run your test for a month before you can um, declare the result of that. So do some testing. It is definitely, definitely how you're going to increase your open rates on your emails. Now, with all of our marketing, what we're trying to do is aiming to move our target markets through through various stages. And that's called our marketing funnel. Now, whether you've got a technical one set up with a whole tech stack working for you, like ClickFunnels, for example, or whether you've got a slightly less technical one, slightly less unofficial one, we still have these stages to go through. And this has always been the same in marketing. So stage one is we need to attract attention. Stage two, we nurture those people who have come into our world. Stage three is we're helping them to to decide whether they want to buy from us or not. And then stage four, we look after them as clients. And that's also key. Marketing is there for you, not just to acquire clients, but to retain your clients as well, to look after them. So we have these four stages, attracting attention, nurturing, helping them decide to buy or sorry, and looking after them as clients. Now, the nurture bit in stage two is so important because we've done our sifting and sorting in our stage one of attracting attention. And stage two, we have to nurture to help them get to the next stage of becoming clients. And it's the nurturing bit that we do with our emails. So everything else, not everything else that you do, but all of your your social media, your advertising, um, podcasting to some extent, 
all of those other activities are there to attract attention, to help people get to know you, to find out about you, to to build up their trust in you so that they want to start to get to know you some more. And that's when they say, yeah, I trust that person enough and I like what they do and I like what they say. So I want to be on their email list. I want to take it to the next stage in this relationship and I'm going to get onto that email list. And that's where the lead magnets come in. So and nurturing is what we do on the email list. In the old prehistoric days, when I started out in my marketing career, and I've said this before, but email marketing, it didn't exist. The digital world didn't exist. But these stages were exactly the same. We wanted to get people onto our mailing lists, not our email lists, but our physical mailing lists. And believe me, these were big things on actual physical disks as well, because they didn't sit on a spreadsheet or on a piece of software somewhere. They were on physical disks and they were quite thick things. Um, They were like about, I don't know, half an inch thick and about five or six inches wide. These You get tapes full of lists. That's what they were. But we had we had to apply this exactly the same principle. So we had to attract attention. We needed to encourage those people, that target audience, to give us their physical home address so that we could send them stuff in the post. And that stuff in the post was called direct mail. But unfortunately, it got a bit of a bad name is that because the numbers needed to be so big, when the letters went out and people didn't want them, it get it got called junk mail. And if you're of an age, you'll know that all this junk mail, as it was called, landed on our doormats and most of it went in the bin. No recycling in those days. It went straight in the bin. But if you got a piece of mail that you really enjoyed opening or always from somebody that you knew, it was direct mail and you were happy to receive it. Because well-targeted pieces of mail and well-written copy, it always took on a different level and people enjoyed receiving it. And, there, you know, short form copy and long form copy, there was no real particular answer to that. You'd think short form copy, so just short copy would work better than long copy, but oddly long copy tended to outperform a lot of the time. But when people enjoyed reading it, they were creative geniuses and and the Drayton birds of this world all came from that background. But we still had to get people to open the envelopes. When we got people to open the envelopes, response rates were about this so this is direct mail this is back in the day response rate were about one to two percent so that's one or two percent that's just on average a lot of the time it was lower if you were in b2b maybe slightly higher about you could get up to about five percent if you were lucky but we still had to get people to open the physical envelope before we got those kind of before we got any response rates at all. So we had to look at how to make our envelopes different. I can tell you that lumpy mail always won. So lumpy mail is when you get an envelope with something in it, or it's a package or a parcel or, you know, whatever. It Literally, it was a lumpy piece of mail. They always won. People always wanted to open those to find out what was inside, whether it was a, a free pen 
like the insurance companies or something bigger than that. In fact, there was very recently, and I can't remember which company it was, they actually employed direct mail and lumpy mail, quite expensive. They sent some Beats headphones to prospective clients or prospective target audience to persuade them to use their product or service. I can't remember which company it was. So I'm just trying to think. But, you know, people are going to like a pair of Beats headphones. Thank you very much. Lumpy Mail always gets opened. But we also tested coloured envelopes, creative, you know, envelopes with creative stuff on the front, imagery and so on, handwritten envelopes. Nowadays, you can get software to actually write a do handwriting font. (laughs) Back in the day, we used to have to employ people to handwrite envelopes before they invented the software. So, but we tested handwritten envelopes, funny copy on the front, impactful copy on the front, emotional copy on the front, emotional imagery on the front, all of this stuff we tested. And we can learn from that because the lesson here is that nothing really changes. We have to be, just as much as in the direct mail times, we had to be different at the envelope opening stage. We couldn't just reserve all of our creativity for the content inside the envelope because we had to get people to open the envelope. So we had to do something different at the envelope to encourage people to do that in whatever creative way that we could. And a lot of testing was done on this stuff. And actually, you know, when you test direct mail, it's expensive to test because everything that you send out has a a pound sign or dollar sign attached to it. It physically costs you money to send out. So if a percentage of your list doesn't work or a percentage of your direct mail doesn't work, that is literally money down the drain. At least with email, you can do testing completely free or it's just part of your, your monthly subscription. So... But we do, we do need to take the lesson from that, that this testing has been around as, as long as marketing has, really. And the direct marketing industry, which email falls under, can take lessons from way back when direct mail was in the forefront. Direct mail is still around now. And th- this is the thing, actually, is that direct mail, it's expensive for any solo business owner because you have to mail relatively large quantities to get results. But I want to talk about this for a minute because let's talk about the old days. In the old days, at best, you got a 2% response rate. Let's just take that as an average, really good response rate. So 2% response rate. So if you'd sent 100 letters, only two people would respond, but that's not enough to convert into sales. Whatever your conversion rate is, you Unless you had a 100% conversion rate, then you couldn't really convert those people. But that's in, that's in the old days. That's in the 1980s, 90s, 2000s, or the noughties, whatever they're called, when direct mail was at its height. But these days, direct mail is very, very effective. And I was looking at some research recently that said during lockdown, um, I think it was the first lockdown, but it doesn't really matter, Direct mail was getting a 96% engagement. So as people engaging in this piece of direct mail, they were doing things with it that the people have asked them to do. 
and it was boosting the brand's online engagement by 70%. Those are whacking great figures. In fact, the lowest rate I could find, this is just the lowest rate, was that just over 42% of people opened their envelope and read the contents. That's still quite a big figure. Most of the figures I read from all the official sources were that these days you get 90% open rates on direct mail. Now, the response rate is still relatively low, but they say the average response rate, that's people doing the next action, clicking through or, you know, going to a website or ringing a phone number or whatever we want them to do next. The average response rate is currently about 9%, but I think it's probably going to be higher than that. But even if we took that figure, if we assumed an average conversion rate of about 50%, your sales conversion rate may be higher, maybe low, but let's just use that as an average. Then out of those, that 9%, let's just say that's if we send 100 letters and 9% responded and we got a 50% conversion rate, then four or five people will buy for every letter, every 100 letters you sent out. So that could actually be really give you a really good return on investment. Direct mail is definitely a numbers game. But the reason why it works even more so now is that people trust print material, particularly the more mature generations who come from a printed world. And we don't get direct mail anymore. We don't get letters through the letterbox unless it's the brown envelopes from HMRC, which I don't enjoy getting. I don't know about you. But we like receiving stuff through the post now. Nobody gets a handwritten letter from a friend anymore. And even the the younger generation like receiving handwritten birthday cards and Christmas cards. So we like getting stuff through the mail. But because we don't get any, it's got higher open rates than it ever did before. I think if you've got the budget, if you're a business that is just getting towards the six figures or in the six figures wanting to get to seven figures, and you can dedicate a marketing budget, you definitely want to, or you might want to consider using direct mail. It is pretty impactful these days. However, it is still a numbers game, even though it's got better response rates, better open rates, better everything these days. Email marketing is just a numbers game as well. Now, email marketing, as I said, it's got an average, your emails have got an average open rate of 25%. If you're targeting Germany, you can expect an average open rate of 40%. So I don't know why Germans open emails more than the rest of us, but they do. And your email average CTR, so your click-through rate, so that's the equivalent to your response rate, is about 1% to 2%. Interesting, isn't it? Because that's not dissimilar to the old days of direct mail. The conversion rate, though, so once people have clicked on the link that whatever you want them to click on, conversion rate is about 15.5%. So those are quite good numbers to know because you can then utilise them. If you've got those as averages, you can then work out how many emails that you need to send to your list to get people to buy your stuff. So if you need a certain amount of sales this month, you then know how many people need to be clicking on the links in order to convert. And therefore, you need to know how many people you need in your list at the front end. So see all this stuff all kind of works out beautifully. Now, the difference is, is 
between email and direct mail is that email marketing is it's entirely accessible. It's entirely budget friendly, whatever your budget. You can spend a lot of money on an email marketing software. So if you're looking at Infusionsoft, for example, if you're a single person business, that's probably not a good description. If you're starting out or you've been going just a, a small amount of years or you're just sending out newsletters and so on, then Infusionsoft won't be for you because they're about $300 a month. But if you've got a bigger business, if you're concentrating in the online space, if you've got online products, uh, digital products and so on, then you definitely may want to consider uh, looking at Infusionsoft because it then becomes, your return on investment becomes a lot more viable and it becomes a commercially viable piece of software to use. But for everybody else, we've got MailChimp, we've got ConvertKit, we've got Active Campaign, we've got Get Response, we've got Aweber, we've got a whole suite of program pieces of software or software programs that you can utilize to use email um, marketing. So it's there, it's accessible, it's budget friendly. And unlike direct mail, what we can do with email is we can continue to email and nurture our list according to their actions. Just like with direct mail, the same applied with direct mail is that segmentation is key and targeting is key to help increase your click-through rates and your conversion rates. And that's easy to, well, easy. It takes a bit of time, but you can learn to master how to effectively segment your list so that you only target people with the right message at the right time. But if you can learn to do that, it's a very effective medium. The difference with that is direct mail, you still need to nurture people with direct mail, but every time you send a piece of mail out, it's going to cost you. Whereas every time you send an email out, it doesn't cost you anything more than your monthly subscription. So it's definitely something that you want to be having as an integral part of your marketing plan. And as my final final word, I would say no, email marketing is definitely not dead if you've been asking that question. So I hope that's been helpful for you today. I'm sorry there's quite a lot of numbers in there, but it, it, you know, marketing is very much about numbers and analysing the numbers and seeing what works and what doesn't and testing one thing against another thing. So let me know how you get on with your testing and I will look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye for now. I'd like to finish by saying thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening. I do truly appreciate you taking the time out to listen to my podcast. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you get a notification when a new episode is out. It just pings up on your phone. And if you're on an Apple device and can take a moment to leave a rating and a comment, I would really appreciate that as well, please. This then helps beat those pesky algorithms and helps the podcast to get out there and reach more people. Thank you so much. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye for now.